Welcome to the Friday press conference ahead of the 2019 Italian Grand Prix. Joining us today from left to right, we have Mario Isola, Aldo Costa, Mattia Bonotto, Franz Tost and Claire Williams. Question to all of you to start with. Uh, there was confirmation earlier this week that the Italian Grand Prix will remain on the Formula One calendar for at least another five years. How important is it for the sport to retain races and tracks like this one? Mattia, if we could start with you, please. Um, obviously, we are very happy for, for the announcement uh, as first because Italian Grand Prix, and we believe that obviously as, as Ferrari, but for, for the sports and the France, having one race in Italy is key, uh, fundamental. Uh, we've celebrated this season the 90th year of Ferrari, Scuderia Ferrari, but as well the 90th year of uh, the, the Italian Grand Prix. So, so it's something which is part of the F1 history and we cannot miss it. Thank you. Friends? I think it's very, very important and these are really good news that uh, Monza stays in the calendar because as we all know, Monza is uh, essentially linked to Formula One, to the history of Formula One with uh, highlights but also with uh, tragedies and uh, for me Monza is uh, one of the most important tracks regarding to the history like uh, Silverstone, there should also be one race in uh, Germany, like Monaco, Spa, uh, these are the tracks where in Europe we have to have races because the history tells this to us. Thank you. Kai? Yeah, I would totally agree with what everybody has, has said already, that you know, Monza is a historic race. The Italian Grand Prix should remain on Formula One's calendar as much as it's, it's great to have all these new tracks that we're going to in lots of far-flung places across the world, having you know, Formula One rem have races remaining in its kind of heartland um, is, is absolutely critical to our sport. It's a wonderful track. The fans here are fantastic as much as predominantly they're Ferrari fans. I know that there are a few Williams fans in the crowds as well, and, and that's great. Um, you know, there's nothing better than racing in places where you have so many fans turn up to cheer you on. Thank you. Mario? I cannot add a lot more. Monza is our real home race because the company is half an hour from here. So on top of the reason mentioned by them, uh, I fully agree. Uh, it's a uh, feeling at home. Uh, um, it's uh, great uh, for the fans, for everybody. So happy to have Monza in the calendar for a long time. Feeling at home, stay at home as well? Stay, sleeping at home, yeah, not at the hotel. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and Aldo? Yeah, I can give you a petrol-led uh, answer. It has been my first circuit uh, as a fan, where to see a Formula One race. And then, yeah, career has, has developed and uh, with Minardi, Ferrari, Mercedes, a lot of uh, memories, and as well as a, as a driver. So <laughs> it has been uh, uh, an incredible story around this circuit, and I'm very happy that it will be kept for the future. Thank you all. And staying with you, Aldo, news broke today that you're joining Delara next year. Can you just tell us why you've made that change and just tell <coughs> us about the new role as well? Yeah, um, it has been, of course, a difficult decision. Um, I have uh, spent uh, um, until now eight years uh, in England at Mercedes. And it has been really a, a fantastic experience, a fantastic experience with the people, with the team. In the, in the team, uh, you, um, you should see which harmony is there and how great is uh, working for the team. But unfortunately, 
my my family um, stayed in Italy, and uh, yeah, for us, um, we are quite tough. It was quite tough, and uh, at the end, uh, um, I decided to take uh, an opportunity that will uh, allow me to further develop as an engineer, and in the meantime, to stay closer to home. So coming back to my land, and. Uh, try to develop uh, uh, the LAR group uh, to the next up uh, um, uh, shape and uh, try to develop new talents, uh, something that I, I love I, and I love as well uh, working on different uh, cars and uh, not only Formula One. So fantastic opportunity combined for uh, with a different uh, lifestyle and uh, yeah, was a perfect choice for me. Eight years at Mercedes, as you say, but more than 30 years in Formula One. How do you reflect <coughs> on your career so far, your Formula One career? Yeah, yeah it has been uh, amazing. Yeah, I've done three big, uh, long uh, cycles. This, this is what I like, uh, Minardi, Ferrari, Mercedes, of uh, building up uh, teams, uh, building up organization, building up uh, processes, uh, building up uh, design capabilities. So, yeah, is, uh, it has been a, um, a career, yeah, wonderful for me and uh, a lot of nice memory in all the three environments. And now, yeah, I'm starting the fourth long cycle, I hope. Aldo, thank you very much. Friends, if we could come on to you now. You spoke last weekend about how you were going to manage Pierre Gasly on his return to Toro Rosso. So how do you assess his performance at Spa? He shot in Spa a very, very good race, very good performance. And uh, I think that uh, Pierre is back on the way and uh, that um, he will also come up with good results, hopefully here in Monza as well. And uh, I'm quite positive. Unfortunately, he has to start here from the back of the grid because we changed the power unit on his car. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Daniel shot it last week in uh, Spa, it's possible to score points also starting from the back of the grid. And uh, he gets more and more familiar with the car. The team he knew already, there's nothing special. And uh, he is making the progress which we expected. Monza hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Toro Rosso in the last few years or in the hybrid era. Pierre is at the back, but what do you think you can achieve this weekend with that car? Well, it depends which weather it is. If it's wet, I think we have a good chance because Daniel was quite happy today with the car under wet conditions. I hope that uh, we can show this performance as well under dry conditions. Uh, as it looks like tomorrow, Saturday will be dry, but Sunday could be wet. And uh, if we get the setup together, especially from the aerodynamic side, I think that we are quite competitive because uh, with the Step 4 engine from Honda, uh, we made a step forward and uh, therefore I don't think that we have any disadvantage. Thank you, friends. Good luck. Claire, coming on to you, while we're talking about performance, we saw your team take a step forward in Hungary a couple of races ago. What can we expect from you this weekend on a very different type of circuit? Yeah, um, I think probably similar levels of performance to that which you saw in Spa. You know, these circuits are particularly penalizing when you've got quite a lot of drag on your car, um, which unfortunately we do at the moment. So it's going to probably be 
another tough weekend for both George and Robert. Um, I think probably long run pace in Spa was better than we expected it to be. Um, you know, the guys had a, a vaguely decent race. They were able to, you know, fight with somebody else rather than just themselves. But again, you know, Sunday is going to be difficult for us. Maybe depending on the weather, we might be able to capitalize if there's a bit more of a lottery um, going on. But I think we're probably more looking forward to Singapore than racing on Sunday afternoon here. And where are you at in your understanding of this year's car in terms of, do you understand the deficiencies and enough to be able to implement the correct changes into next year's car? Yeah, you know, I think we're probably pretty very clear on where the deficiencies are. We need more downforce, we need less drag. Um, and obviously the aerodynamics team are working really hard on that. And as you all know, we bought a significant package to Germany. We're still trying to um, capture a lot of data in order to truly understand how much that performance did bring for us. And we continue to bring um, test items to each and every race to dial out some of the issues that we have across um, other issues that we're facing at the moment around some of the mechanical areas on, on the cars. So we're doing all of that. We've got a very clear pathway moving forwards. Um, a lot of that work will continue to ensure that we improve this year's chassis, but also so that we bring performance items this year that will have an impact on the FW43, the 2020 car. Thank you, Kai. Mario, coming to you. It's the Temple of Speed this weekend. The cars exceed 200 miles an hour on four occasions around the lap here at Monza. How do those speeds affect tyre performance? Yeah, Monza is uh, a circuit uh, where you need a lot of traction, where you need to protect the rear tires. Uh, there is not a lot of downforce on the cars because they need the speed. So there is a an additional stress on the tires. I believe we have a good tire choice. Then a lot will be uh, on weather because weather forecast is for the moment on a wet race. And um, maybe we will see a lap record tomorrow in qualifying that should be dry but uh, I think it's not easy for for the teams to understand the weather this weekend so yeah the stress on the tire is quite high but more on that is uh, how to understand the condition of the circuit now looking further ahead than this weekend a uh, big week for you next week when you begin testing the 18 inch tires with Renault at Paul Ricard can you just enlighten us a little bit more about what the program is for that test. Yeah, we are ready. We start with uh, a baseline, obviously. The test will be more on construction. That uh, is what happens usually when you have a new size, a new challenge. Um, <laughs> I have not a clear idea what to expect. We started already the uh, F2 test with 18 inches. That is going quite well, so hopefully we have the same uh, result with Formula 1. It's obviously more uh, I don't want to call it shakedown because uh, we are going to test for two days uh, and we have a program that uh, uh, is quite big. We want to, to test different solutions to have a better idea. We have these three sessions to understand and assess the baseline for next year and then obviously we will have a full year of development next year to finalize the product. The challenge is big as I said many times and uh, happy and excited to start uh, very soon. Thank you, Mario. Mattia, thanks for waiting. Coming to you now. Wonderful celebration of Ferrari's history on Wednesday evening in Milan. Just what was it like from your point of view? Lots of former teammates there. Oh, it, was, it was fantastic to see so many people there. Our fans, the passion. 
I think the number of people, uh, the guess was, was very, very high. The entire square of Piazza del Duomo was, was full of people. I think it was a great celebration because as first we, we hoped people would have come uh, after such a bad start of the season, I would say, but, but then here it's where you, you, you can feel the, really the passion of the Ferrari Tifosi, the Tifosi of Ferrari. And uh, uh, it was incredible. We had many drivers of Ferrari of the past. We've got uh, people uh, having somehow been part of the Ferrari history. And I think to see all these people on the stage was something Im impressive. And uh, from my personal point of view as well, being there on the stage and to see so many people, it's something that's giving you boost energy. And uh, I think after, after Spa was a great way as well somehow to celebrate the, the very first victory of the season, but certainly a big boost as well for this weekend here in Monza. Now, talking of Spa, Sebastian spoke yesterday of his tyre difficulties. Are you able to explain why he suffered more than Charles in that race? Um, obviously, after, after Beijing, we did some, some analysis. Uh, I think, as first, uh, we all had uh, quite high degradation on the medium. And that's true not only for Ferrari, but looking as well to our competitors. We believe the degradation was similar, but uh, I think unexpectedly, at least for us, the degradation was higher on the medium compared to the soft. And uh, obviously, we, we had a very early pit stop on Sebastian uh, as first. So let's say that he got a disadvantage of tire degradation by the time he was on the track with the other guys on the same, on the same compound. So most of the difference between him and the others was simply tire degradation and not his own pace. And uh, so uh, obviously, we had to pit uh, him very soon to protect ourselves uh, to, to, to Hamilton, but that put him somehow as well in a bad position try to compete and being on the same pace of the others. Okay. Thank you, Mattia. Let's open this to the floor now. And please remember to give your name and publication. First question, please. Fred Ferrec, l'équipe, question to Mattia. Is being the team principal of Ferrari as difficult as, as you were expecting? And what kind of difficulty you have already met since you're the boss? Um, I would say it is more enjoyable than what I was expecting, uh, rather than difficult. Uh, and the reason why it's enjoyable as first, because I think we've got a great team and a great team spirit, and that giving somehow to the team principal the right confidence and boost. And obviously, again, our Tifosi, as I just mentioned before, I think that these are circumstances where obviously you, you may uh, somehow play your, your role in, in, a, in a proper manner. So I would not say difficult, uh, but certainly there, then the pressure is there. Uh, the first part of the season has been difficult, and somehow to manage um, the situations in this situation is, ne is never easy. Huh? That's true with, uh, with the fans, it's true with the media, it's true with in within the team. But, uh, but somehow that's, uh, I think that will make us even stronger in the future by, by making sure that we have been able and capable of managing the start of the season. Thank you. Next one. Dieter Rankin, <coughs> excuse me, Dieter Rankin, Racing Lines and RaceFans.net. To the four, uh, four team uh, representatives there, uh, Günther Steiner this week in his team's preview questioned the need for standardized or prescription parts and a budget cap, basically saying, you know, don't tell us how much money we can spend, then tell us how to spend it. Do you agree with that or not? Who'd like to start with that? Claire, why don't we start with you? Um, no, I, I think I've made Williams's perspective on this really clear. We, we very much agree with the cost cap. 
Um, and, you know, standardization of parts, again, all talks to cost saving and cost efficiencies in Formula One. And again, that's something we're very much in favor of. Brian? I'm also in favor of what the FA and the FOM suggests and uh, what hopefully will come uh, within the regulation. And um, I think for me it's clear and um, there's nothing more uh, to say. Um, what, what Gunther said is, is not, an, let me say, at least a new position for Ferrari. Since the very start, we were arguing the, the standardization as first because, as he said, there is a budget cap somehow to, to control the costs. And whatever you may do at the end, you may standardize. But the budget cap, at least for the top team, will be uh, the level of expenditure for the season. Uh, we believe that standardization uh, may even uh, be a, a risk for F1 in the future because, as first, you don't know what could be the reliability you may obtain on, on standard parts at the very start. We had situation as well, if we look back, F2, for example, on standard clutch for many races, they had simply to start behind safety car because the clutch was not reliable enough. So, so I'm, we may accept standardization, but we need to make sure as first that it's reliable, that the level of quality is the right one. The level of performance is what you may expect for an F1. And more than that, I think we need to make sure as well that we do not have extra indirect costs by simply developing uh, a, a standard component. So uh, we, we believe that for most of the standard components that we are proposing currently for 2021, we will all need to redesign our, our car. We will need somehow to uh, make sure that whatever is the new component is properly functioning and that that's extra costs. That maybe it's not costs that you may have from 2021 onwards, but will be extra costs from, from now to 2021. Oh yeah, we, we are in a similar position. We, we accept the cost cap is, is a measure that for sure will impact uh, um, how our team will develop things as Ferrari, Red Bull for sure, I don't know who else. Um, so yeah, we accept the, the challenge. Um, in terms of standardization, same concern as Mattia was uh, explaining. Um, yeah, we need to make sure they are reliable. Um, they will require a lot of redesign around, uh, so we are not convinced that there will be a real cost uh, reduction. Um, the cost reduction can be negligible, but the cost cap, yeah, it will be um, definitely uh, something quite uh, big for the, for the big teams. Thank you. Next one. Ian Parks, New York Times. A question to the three team principals and Mario as well, if you have an opinion. Uh, when uh, Michael Massey took over from the late Charlie Whiting, he naturally had very big shoes to fill. He's been in the role now six months, so just wondered if you could give me an idea of what you've uh, come f uh, to expect from Michael now and the role that he has done so far. Why don't we start with you? Uh, uh, I may start not also. I think Michael is doing very well since very that's since Australia. And if you look over the, the first races, I don't think there have been from the race director point of view any any mistakes or big mistakes. And uh, uh, as you said, it has not been easy for him obviously in Australia's first because it's no let me see uh, with no advice uh, he has to jump into the role. But since then, I think he's doing really a pretty good job, and uh, I'm very happy. I can only agree what uh, Matthias said. Uh, Michael is doing a fantastic job because it was not easy for him, as I said, 
there were big steps he had to go in and uh, he fulfilled it and uh, he is doing the best possible job he can do in this position and so far I would not say that uh, he made any wrong decision. We are quite happy with him. Yeah, um, I don't have much to add. I agree with what Franz and Matteo have said. Mario, anything from you? Yeah, I agree. Um, our, our position is probably slightly different compared to the team, so we are working every day with the FAA on many subjects, and uh, we have different uh, um, reference people now. Uh, obviously, it's difficult to replace uh, Charlie, and Michael has probably a slightly different uh, role compared to Charlie. Charlie was a bit everywhere, so he was uh, our, I don't want to say unique uh, reference, but uh, every time we needed something, we went to Charlie. Now, in the FAA, there is also a slightly different organization, so we have different people, uh, but I believe Michael is doing an excellent job. Thank you. Next one. Scott Mitchell from Autosport. A question to Mattia and maybe Aldo as well, if you feel uh, you want to comment. Um, with, the, with what needs to be resolved for the 2021 rules, do you expect that it will be resolved in the, in the time that has been set, or do you think it will or could rumble on beyond that either by the bigger teams delaying it, a, a veto or anything like that? No, um, by the end of October we will need to vote and I'm pretty sure that regulation will be somehow voted and accepted by that date. I think the, the current effort is to make sure that by when we come to the end of October we are in the best position in terms of uh, compromise or, uh, or agreement. But uh, uh, regs will be voted and it's uh, obviously later as well uh, that they can still be discussed. Uh, and eventually modified if we may find, uh, let me say at least, if not unanimity, but majority on what can be the intent. So I'm not expecting any anything wrong by the end of October. It's only really a matter of collaborating as much as we can from now to there to have the very first set of regulations which are as best as we can and continue working on them for the future. Yeah, nothing else to add. Franz or Claire, anything you'd like to add? The, the major topics must be fixed until the end of October. This is what we agreed. We can't delay it anymore yeah, because uh, discussions are going on without any results then. I think that currently the different working groups are doing good jobs. We have uh, next week another meeting in uh, Geneva where we hope fully we'll also decide some important uh, themes. And uh, as I said before, at the end of October, uh, it must be fixed. Maybe then it's afterwards some small fine-tuning, but uh, the regulation must uh, stand. Next one. Uh, Dan Knudsen, Auto Action and Speed Sport. Claire, we all know how much Frank loved to be at the racetrack. He was at Spa, first time out of uh, Britain at a race. How much of a thrill was that for him and how much of like, a good medicine for him? Yeah, it's, um, it's always great when Frank's at the track. Um, I think not just for our team, our team thoroughly enjoy having him there. He is our leader, he's our inspiration, and just to have him there gives everybody a real boost. But I think for, I think for a lot of people in the paddock as well um, that know Frank, it, it, I think they as well find it um, a real joy to have him around. And obviously because he can't fly anymore, um, Silverstone's invariably the one race he can get to, but we obviously saw how much he enjoyed being at Silverstone and put a plan in place to have him driven 
over to Spa and he loved the drive, if nothing else. It was great for him to get out of the office um, and it was great for him to be at the racetrack, I think, as everybody knows, Frank lives and, breathe for, for, lives and breathes Formula One. Um, as he says, this is his oxygen. It's what keeps him going. And um, I think if we can put a plan in place to bring him to more races um, by car, then we will. I think he's talking about driving to half the races next year. I think that means he's going to have to set off pretty early for a lot of them. Um, but, you know, it, it is, it's great for him, and I think it's great for Formula One as well. Thank you. Next one. Andrew Benson, BBC Sport for Mattia. Um, Mattia, the Ferrari's got a very different performance profile from the Mercedes this year, and I think it's fair to say it's only competitive at certain types of tracks. Is that, so far anyway, is that something that's going to continue for the rest of the year? Uh, is it something that you can't change without a philosophy change on the car? And are you doing a philosophy change on the car for next year? Yeah, um, yeah certainly there is quite different characteristics. So let's say that as Ferrari, we are certainly lacking uh, in grip limited areas. And, uh, and this is where we need to improve. And uh, whenever we may go to circuits where there are a lot of corners and where grip limited is, is important or maximum downforce will be required to be fast, we are certainly uh, showing our main weakness. Uh, how are we addressing that by the end of the season? Uh, I, I don't think so because the gap is, is too big in, in that area. Can we improve the situation? Certainly we are trying to, we are working to, to, to address it. And uh, are we putting uh, too much effort on this season or should we concentrate on next year by trying to address the issue? Uh, being the, the, the regulation somehow stable from now to next year, we believe that whatever we may do this season will be to the as well useful for the next one. So yes, there are a gap. It will remain. Uh, we're hoping we, hopefully we may close it. Thank you, Matthew. Next one. Daniel Horvath, The Paddock Magazine. Claire, you touched earlier on the improvements you are working on. What's your view? How much of a reset does the team need? And uh, what changes can we expect considering 2020? Oh, sorry. The last bit of your question, how much? How much of a reset does the team need? Um, yeah, that there's been a huge reset at Williams, which I've talked about a lot this year. Um, and a reset invariably takes an inordinate, inordinate amount of time and um, you know time that you wish could go a whole lot faster. But we have put in a lot of change uh, in the business and a lot of change that unfortunately a lot of people, when they tune in on a Sunday afternoon, they don't get to really see. But change does take time to um, bed its way in. But we've made those changes. We've made a lot of changes over nine months, not just to what we do from a performance perspective on, on the car, but also to how we operate and function as a business to make sure that Williams really is set up um, to be prosperous in the future and that's been really important to us and something that we've put a huge amount of energy and time into. Um, I think we're starting to see the results of some of that work that we've done um, but it is a journey for us. This is going to take us a long time to get ourselves back into the midfield um, and I suppose we just keep asking for patience and for people not to expect that suddenly you know the, the light switch will come on and we will suddenly find ourselves back in you know, fighting for P4 and P5 particularly when you look at the competition out there at the moment you know the guys ahead of us are doing a, a fantastic job and it's up to us to keep taking that fight um, and we will you know the ambition at Williams is still there the spirit within our team is probably stronger than it's ever been I think we've really galvanized our team this year into knowing understanding what the vision what the mission is for Williams moving forward and put a timeline in place that people know and understand what they're working to and I think that's 
probably a big a critical part of what we've been doing over the past few months at Williams. We've still got clearly some work to do on some personnel issues um, and we've obviously still got to find the performance and that's the work that the guys across the engineering functions are um, working really hard on at the factory at the moment and I'm just hoping that Next year's campaign is a whole lot more successful for us um, than this year's one because, you know, this is the second year of pain for Williams and we don't want to find ourselves at the back of the grid next year. We're doing everything to make sure that we don't. Certainly 21 hopefully will be a whole lot brighter for us as we continue um, that campaign of work. Um, and then with the new regulations that we're hoping will be signed off at the end of October, we'll all um, contribute to making or putting Williams in a better place and giving us greater opportunity moving forward. Thank you, Claire. Next one. Uh, Thomas Mara, FormulaSpy.com. One for you, Claire. Uh, Jamie Chadwick is here this weekend. Can you outline more about what her role is here this weekend and over the next couple of months and whether there's the possibility we might see her maybe in some older Formula One machinery at some point? Yeah, so Jamie joins us, us tomorrow. She's actually taking part in an F3 test um, today. I hope I'm allowed to say that. Um, so she's, she's doing that today. She'll join us. This is, I think, her third race weekend that she's joined us at. And it's all part of the Driver Academy program that we have in place at Williams um, that we established this year <coughs> and is working really well for us. And it's all about, obviously, taking young talent that we can find and helping develop, that, develop them, but also for them to help Williams develop. And yeah, Jamie has been an instrumental part in, in that this year. And um, when she comes uh, to the races with us, when she's trackside, she, she shadows, basically. Basically, she watches what's going on um, in engineering briefings. She listens to the drivers. She obviously watches all the track action. And she just learns how a Formula One weekend operates. Um, I think she's yet to announce her plans for 2020. But I know she's got a lot of offers on the table. Not surprising, considering the job that she did in the W Series this year. And just the personality that she has and the ambition and the drive that she has as well. I think it will take her a long way. As for our plans for Jamie moving forward, we're obviously working out what we're going to be doing from a race driver perspective for 2020 at the moment. And once we've resolved that, then we'll start looking and thinking about um, the plans for the Driver Academy and who we have in there. Thanks, Mom. Luigi Perra, La Gazzetta dello Sport, a question for Mattia. You plan to put uh, your new power units back here in Monza. Did you use it already today? And in this case, uh, it is working as you expected? Yeah, we fit the new power unit already in FP1. That's normally the, our normal way of proceeding. So since the Friday to make sure everything is working properly and making sure that we're at least tuning uh, the, the mapping in the best way for Saturday and quality and, and the race. Um, yeah, so far, so good. Um, obviously we had very little run this morning, uh, part of it on the wet, which are quite different conditions compared to the top speed we may expect uh, for the rest of the week and uh, certainly for, for tomorrow, but uh, yeah, all good. Next one. Davide Russo, News Formula 1. Question for uh, Mattia. It's your first time here as a Ferrari team principal. So what's your expectation and sensation for the race? OK. Uh, as first, I didn't realize it. Uh, I didn't thought about it. Uh, because then it's not my very first time here in Monza, which is uh, ev even more important. Expectations, no doubt that after Spa, uh, expectation can be on only high. Uh, CCR circuit with very long straights, and we know that uh, at least our strengths are on the straights. But, but we know as well uh, from Belgium that we just finished the race a second ahead to our competitors. 
and so on. there is no margin there. And um, it has been a, a great and perfect weekend for us in Spa. We know that we can do well here in Monza only if we will be will have a perfect weekend. Next one. Dieter Rankin, Racing Lines and RaceFans.net. Uh, question to Matteo. Matteo, I wonder if you can clarify a comment you made earlier on where you said that the votes will have to, the uh, regulation will have to be voted for by the 31st of October. We were under the impression that the International Sporting Code was being used, which is why it was deferred from 30 June to 31 October. Has that changed? No, no. So we, we all agreed by unanimity to postpone it because some more time was were required, but we all are aware and fully aware that we cannot postpone it even furthermore. So that will be the deadline by when we will need to, to vote. And uh, uh, to, to postpone it further would mean not to be read in 2021. Yeah. National Sporting Code doesn't uh, make provision for a vote. Uh, I, we should add that to FIA and F1, but I think their intention is to vote to make sure that all the teams are somehow agreeing. Thank you. Next one. Alessandro Bucci, Italia Racing. A question for Mr. Tost. Uh, Franz, about the aerodynamic component of STR 14, how is the embevelment state uh, of that, that part after the summer break? Thank you. After the summer break, also first of all, um, all the new upgrades um, we decided to put on the car before the summer break because therefore is the summer break that you don't do anything. And um, we will come, okay, we have here in uh, Monza a new aero package as all the teams with the uh, rear wing, with a different rear wing configuration and also front wing some changes. And uh, then uh, we will come up with smaller upgrades to Singapore and some changes on the floor for Suzuka and Mexico we will see then. This is still in the wind tunnel. Don't know yet. Thank you, friends. Thank you to the panel. That's all we've got time for now. Good luck this weekend. And a full transcript of this press conference will be available shortly at FIA.com.